Proverbs chapter 22, I want to read to you one verse, verse number 3. The Bible says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, my childhood and the first part of my teenage years, I was raised in an ancient decade called the 1980s. I look back at, uh, I'll see things sometimes from time to time that are from the 80s and my mind just awakens with a newness and a freshness and it reminds me of some of those years. And, you know, during my teenage years we used a lot of adjectives uh, and nouns to describe people and some of those words are still used today and then there's others that have gotten lost in the ebb and flow of time. So let me introduce you a little bit to the 1980s and what we would say. You know, sometimes we would describe something or someone as hip. We'd say, boy, that's hip. And really all that meant was that was cool or he was cool. Now, it's amazing to me how modern day lingo has evolved. Uh, I've heard teenagers use this term and some of you probably have too. Uh, In modern day lingo, somebody will say, that was dope. Now, I'll admit, I've never liked that expression. Because when I was a kid, that was drugs. And who wants to be called that, right? I mean, I'm trying to bridge the generational gap. Some of you are like, you're just old fogies. Well, listen, that was like, when you talked about dope in high school, that was pot. That was cocaine. That was heroin. And so when I hear somebody say that is dope, I'm like, no, that's not. But things have changed. You know, there was another word that became popular during the 80s that gained popularity, and that was the word rad. It's short for the word radical, and it was more intense than the word cool. Somebody would say, that was cool, and somebody would say, no, that was rad. You know, it was just a different generation. You know, some words have a positive connotation, and yet there are others that have negative ones. For instance, back in my day, if a person was said to be a square, that meant he was very conservative in his way of life, especially morally. When I was in public high school, if somebody said, that guy's a square, that was the way the world marked that person and said, you know what, they just don't do really anything, and they're very conservative morally. And there was another word that was used in place of square that I want to allude to this morning to help us get to the text. Sometimes somebody would look at somebody who was like a moral conservative person. They'd say, that guy's a square. Or sometimes they would use another word, and this is what they would say, that guy is a prude. You ever hear that? Don't be a prude. I heard that a few times. In high school, when you're with a peer group, this is somebody who's usually very sensitive to morality and propriety. Now, some people associate the word prude with Amish. Uh, Just the other day, one of my friends here in town took a picture of an Amish. By the way, we have more Amish that are moving into the community. And uh, he took a picture of an Amish with his horse and buggy. He was pulling a concrete mixer. (laughs) And... uh, I'm sure it was gasoline, though, and not electric. And uh, that's probably what they were doing. 
But you know, people look and they say, I don't want to be called a prude. The world looks and uses that as, as a derogatory term. As a matter of fact, by the way that many of you have been taught to live, the world looks at you and says, you are a prude. And some of you have let the world shame you into thinking that that's bad. But instead of letting the world shame you and thinking that being a prude is bad, I want you to look at the Bible and see it's actually good. The word prude, it comes from the word prudent. For the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and are punished. The the word prudent is used about 21 times in the Old Testament. Twelve of those times are found in the book of Proverbs. And young people, let me tell you something. If there's a book that you want to study to teach you how to live outside of the Gospels, and looking at the life of Jesus, I would encourage you to be a student of the book of Proverbs. I remember Brother Childs, one of my teachers, he would teach us in Proverbs, uh, he would say, read a proverb every day. He said, in doing that, you'll be all the better for it. But when you look at all the words that are used for prudence or to being prudent in the Bible, it usually carries the idea of being cunning or clever or having understanding or having discernment. And so this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to think about your way of life, think about your approaching break, and just think about the rest of your life. And my plea to you this morning is this, be a prude. Daniel was a prude. You don't want to eat that? You don't want to do that? And the world looks at that as a derogatory term, but the Bible says a prudent man is blessed. And I want you to hear me out this morning. Now the first thing that I want you to see is the attitude that's reflected by the prudent man. Let's look at the attitude. The Bible says that the prudent man foreseeth the evil. Now, there are several times in the book of Proverbs that this word is used, and I want to go through it with you, and you can turn, and I want you to see these verses. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. We're just going to be a few pages back, and we're going to work our way forward. It's not rocket science. You can do it, I promise. In Proverbs chapter 12, in verse number 16, the Bible says that a fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. Now, of course, if you've taken poetical books, and if you've not yet, listen, you'll get some things that will help you along the way, but a lot of times you're going to see a contrast. You're going to see two phrases that are set up here, all right? So you see that the fool's wrath is presently known. In other words, he just lets his feelings hang out, but a prudent man covereth shame. Now, there may be some of you and you're like, everybody knows what I'm thinking all the time. Well, there's a Bible word for you. You know, there are times where maybe your feelings may be a certain way, whether it's wrath or whatever. And listen, a prudent man has discernment. He has understanding and he has to suppress that. All right, look with me in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 23. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. You know, a wise man, a prudent man, somebody who's clever and cunning, somebody who's smart, they're intelligent, they're going to be careful about what they know and what they say about what they know. There's some of you here, when you know something, everybody knows it. 
Uh, that's not a good characteristic to have in ministry. Why would, you want some, why would somebody want to confide in you if you always tell everything you know, right? I mean, I could probably, I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't ask for a hand raise, but if I said, how many of you have people here that when they hear something, they tell everybody, there's many of you would shoot your hands up. It's better to, to work through that now, and you don't have to tell everything that you know. But the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. I mean, the fool just says anything. Proverbs 14 and verse number 8, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Again, you see a contrast. Here's a person who wants to understand where he's heading. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to understand where you're heading? There are a lot of people in your age bracket today, they have no concern about where they're headed. They live for today, they live for tomorrow, but they don't see the big picture. All right, that's the way, that is the default setting of the world. And I want to beg you to ponder the path of your feet today and see that they lead in a direction the prudent man understands his way. Proverbs 14 verse 15, The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. You know, the prudent man, he has discernment. When he's told something, he doesn't necessarily just check it off. as like, well, it's true. He'll test it. But the simple, the simple believes every word. Proverbs 14, verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. You know, you hear the word inherit, you think about a will. And uh, boy, what am I going to get when so-and-so dies? I hope you don't think that. That makes that person feel horrible, right? But there's some people that think that way. When they die, I'm going to get this. That's, that's a horrible way to look at it. But you know, in a will, I think you would a whole lot rather something that's of substance than something that's just insignificant. You live the life of a fool, you're going to inherit folly. You live the life of the prudent. What are you? You're crowned with knowledge. Okay. Those are just a few word pictures from Proverbs that tell us about the attitude of the prudent man. But let me say, if you're going to be prudent, I think there's two things that you have to be. Number one, you have to be careful. A prudent man is careful. He's deliberate in what he does. There's some people, they pride themselves for living recklessly. But you know what? When you live recklessly, you wreck a lot. Did you ever wreck when you were a kid? Wreck a bicycle? Wreck a three-wheeler? Yeah, we had three-wheelers when I was a kid. They've outlawed those because probably killed half of my generation. But <laughs> You know, it's one thing when you have a wreck on, a, on an ATV, and even those can be very severe. But when you have a wreck in life, when you live recklessly and you don't live carefully, listen, a prudent man lives carefully. Now you're here and you're like, well, I don't care. All I can say to you is just wait. Because one day you'll wish to God that you had. The other day in my evangelist class, I illustrated something. I, you know, at my house, if you went into the shed, you'd see that we have some uh, four by four posts. And for those of you that aren't involved in construction, you're like, okay, I don't really understand that. Well, it's just a big, sturdy post. Now, Glenn Haynes could get up here and give a lecture on it a lot better than I could. But it's a four by four post. It's probably about eight or ten feet long. And if I set that post on the floor, I just laid it out on the floor, and I said, listen, let's play a little game. After chapel, I want to get in a long line around the auditorium and I want you to walk on that 4 by 4 and I want you to walk without hitting the floor. 
well, that four by four is about that thick. You'd be like, oh, okay. And so we play our little game and you get on the four by four and you, you walk and you, you know, you're probably just sort of like, ah, ha, 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 ha. You're looking at me, look, I did that. You know, I mean, it'd really be jovial, you know. But what if I mounted that same beam to the top of this chapel at that height with nothing underneath it? Now, there'd still be a few of you. You wouldn't live very long, but... Oh, look at that! But I'll guarantee you, you know what? The attitude of some of you would change greatly, wouldn't it? You're like, wait a second, that's different. You know why? Because you recognize the ramifications. Listen to me, young people, when it comes to relationships... When it comes to your habits and behaviors of life, there are some of you that are walking on that floor before like it's on the ground and you need to treat it like it's that high. Be careful. But not only is a prudent man going to have the attitude of carefulness, he's going to have an attitude of understanding. In other words, he's going to have an awareness of the situation. He's going to look here and he's going to understand that every decision he makes, listen, it has, it has a direction. He's going to understand that there are ramifications for my actions that carelessness today can hurt me tomorrow. I just recently was in India and it was not nearly as... Uh, as intimidating a, a, a situation as I thought it would be. As a matter of fact, it was more intimidating in my trip to Ukraine or Japan than it was India. And what I mean by that is in India I could speak English and many people would understand we could go back and forth and develop some great relationships while I was there. In Japan, it was just like... Uh, it, I mean, uh, you could smile and just do this and that's about it. You know, just look at each other, be very polite, couldn't understand each other, but yeah, yeah. Same thing in Ukraine. I mean, just totally different language. I, you know, there, there's, you know, it's amazing how we Americans sometimes we try to, we think if we say it louder and more distinctly that people in foreign languages understand it, and they don't. And we're the ones that are just really the, the, the crazy ones in that. But sometimes I look at college-age students and I feel like sometimes they're talking to somebody who's Japanese or somebody who's Ukrainian. They don't have the understanding that the decisions they're making right now are going to reap a future. They don't understand it. But if you want to be a prudent man, listen, according to Proverbs, you're going to gain in your understanding. You're going to gain in your discernment and you're going to be careful. That's the attitude. Instead of having an attitude of recklessness, have an attitude of carefulness. But not only do I want you to see the attitude, the second thing that I want you to see is I want you to see the anticipation. The Bible says the prudent man, here it is, foreseeth. The evil. Have you ever been caught off guard? That's not, it's not a great feeling. When I was a kid, I was playing baseball, and it was one of the first times I'd ever played underneath lights. We'd gotten lights installed in the local little league area. And, uh, I still remember I was playing shortstop that day and as I was, I was just standing there, I was probably 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in there, probably closer to 10. 
And uh, here we were, you know, we were just standing out in the field before the inning started. And man, I looked up and I saw the, the biggest moth I'd ever seen in my life. And uh, man, alive, that thing was flying around the line. I mean, it was just like a hawk. It was like, whoosh. I was like, oh, my stars. I, I, was, I was enamored with it. And I'm just, I'm just watching it. And while I'm watching that moth, as I'm playing shortstop, all of a sudden I hear the crack of a bat. And I looked up, and I mean, this ball is coming at me at a high rate of speed. And I just threw both hands up out of fear and reflex. And I'll never forget, the ball hit my glove, went in it. And then my ball and the glove went out in the left field. Do you know what that would have been? That would have been a play that I would have made 99 times out of 100. And it wasn't so much talent and ability as much as it was just anticipation. Foresight. Hey, I'm playing a game here. I better get ready. Uh, They're in the thick of their lineup. If I'd have been thinking that, guess what? I'd have been ready. And you know what's really sad to see sometimes? When the stakes are so high and we live carelessly and somebody doesn't have foresight and then it damages them greatly. There's some of you that need to gain this idea of anticipation. And it's interesting. Do you know this is almost the same exact wording of the verse? Is found, the same verse found in Proverbs 27, verse 12. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Solomon repeats that twice, and it's almost verbatim an idea. But let me tell you about this anticipation. The first thing I want you to see is it's a definition, it just means to see beforehand. Some of you theologians, you're like, well, God has not given us the spirit of prophecy today. There is no more revelation. You're right. You can't look into the future and predict everything that's going to happen. But you know what? You can look ahead and use your head a little bit. To see beforehand, to anticipate. There are some of you growing up, your favorite phrases were this, were these. It was an accident. You played with your siblings and something bad happened. And while you were swinging your fist with malice in your heart, as soon as it's done, you go to your parents and you lie. And you say, it was an accident. There's some of you that were liars. And there were some of you that were accident prone. It really was. It was an accident. We set the field on fire. It was an accident. And it really was. You know, some of you use that phrase, it was an accident. Or somebody says, you know, I just wasn't thinking. You know, that's dangerous. You know, every uh, day, uh, young ladies make the trip uh, across uh, Stockton Street. 
And uh, by the way, I'm very grateful. One of our graduates, he was actually a roommate of mine in college. He is a higher up in the highway patrol. He's the one that orchestrated us getting that, the crosswalk put in. Uh, I had begged and pleaded for like 10 years and, or five, maybe six or seven. And Joel saw it and he was like, ah, let me have it. And the next thing I know, now we have a crosswalk and most people will stop. But do you know what? When I, get, when I go up to that crosswalk, I don't march up to it like I own this town and say, I'll tell you what, anything between those two lines right there, I'm invincible. No. You know, even though there's a sign there that says stop for people in the crosswalk, do you know what I still do? I do this. And you ought to too. Just because the rules say stop doesn't mean everybody plays by the rules. But you know what? There's some of you here, you say, I just wasn't thinking. I've heard that time and time again. When I was in the dean of students' office, somebody would say, I I just didn't think. And I said, you know what? That's how people get killed. That's how people walk in front of tractor trailers or they get on train tracks. They just weren't thinking. They were careless. Let me ask you a question. When you go out this this spring break, hey, what does a little foresight tell you? Look ahead. You're not a prophet, but you've got enough sense to look ahead. Hey, is it going to be a time where it's like fleshly living? Is it going to be a time of just, you know, serving the Lord? Which that ought to be, that ought to be every week of the year. The things that you anticipate. There's some of you right now, you have an anticipation and maybe your anticipation is not to forsake evil or not to put, hide yourself from evil. Maybe you're anticipating getting into it. But you've got to have a little foresight. The definition to see beforehand. Guys, you've got to think. You only have so many. You don't have nine lives like a cat. Of all animals to have nine lives, I wish it was not a cat. (laughs) But you don't have nine lives like a cat. You've got one. So live deliberately. See things. Look ahead. Think. So when I see this, for the prudent man foreseeth the evil, not only do I think about the definition, that's to see beforehand, but I think about discernment, and that's good and evil. You guys have discernment. Right from wrong. The truth is you've got, you've got a great moral compass because of the families that you've been raised in or the Bible that you've read during these years. Just even your time at Ambassador, maybe in the areas in which you've grown. There, you know, and this is a great lesson for teachers. I was talking to a student one day and he said, the other day I was in a Bible class and the teacher was teaching and the teacher made this statement. The teacher said, now I know all of you know this. And the student said to me, I didn't know that. And it was a great reminder to me. You know, instead of assuming that just everybody is, you know, wherever I'm at in my level of learning, I want to make sure to bring people along and make sure that they understand. And unfortunately, we do the same thing with the gospel. We think just because we're in the belt buckle of the Bible belt that everybody has an understanding of sin, that everybody knows what Jesus has done. I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of, there's a great need to tell the truth and to explain it clearly. Get out of your Bible college bubble. 
But you know what? For some of you, listen, then it's not the good and evil part that's the trouble. You know what's good and you know what's bad. I could give you a quiz and say, here, what's good and what's bad? And you'd get a hundred. And then I give you this quiz and says, all right, now do good and do bad. And you'd get a twenty. The problem isn't so much knowing what's good and what's bad. The problem is looking ahead and thinking about where it's going to take you. You want to be a prudent man? Number one, the attitude. Number two, the anticipation. The last thing that I would show you is just the action. The prudent man foreseeth the evil, here it is, and hideth himself. You know, for some of you that have been raised in Christian homes, have you ever had somebody tell you you were sheltered? Uh, they, I, I've, I've, you know, had it recited to me. Somebody's like, you're just so sheltered, you're not realistic. Well, listen, don't let your worldly friends or associations pounce you too hard. It's not always bad to be sheltered. Now, I will admit, I do think sometimes folks that have been sheltered sometimes don't have the right attitude towards those that have not been sheltered and those that are just living out in the world and they come across as a Pharisee and I don't have any time for that. But here's the irony. So often we're better at hiding evil than hiding ourselves from it. Why don't you think about that for a moment? Too often we're a lot better about hiding evil than we are hiding ourselves from it. Are you good at hiding evil? Heard the stories of siblings that made death threats to their if you tell mom and dad, I will kill you. And siblings would say, Man, I, I didn't. I didn't because I thought my brother meant business. You know, all that is is hiding evil. Sometimes we're a lot better at hiding evil than we are hiding ourselves from it. I'll promise you this. You go into this break and you're more concerned about hiding evil. I just promise you, you're going to see the last part of this verse where the Bible says, but the simple pass on and listen to me, they're punished. You can either be prudent or simple. That's your choice. But if you're prudent and you say, you know what, hey, instead of hiding evil, I'm going to hide myself from it. Do you know there's, how do you hide yourself from evil? Can I just give you like a couple of practical applications of that? You know, one of the ways I have to hide myself from evil, and I'll give it to you in a, in a modern sense, okay? Uh, some, of, some of our older faculty may say, I'm not familiar with this practice, but... It's just, it's going to be a little bit more of where you live. You know, one of the ways that I hide myself from evil is I just can't go scrolling through reels and stories on on social media. Because you know what? That, That stinking prince of the power of the air... I don't know how he's got these algorithms and all of that, but listen, they, they know that, that I, they, they probably know I'm a preacher. 
They know that I read the Bible. They know that I buy religious books. And in spite of all of that that they know about me, the devil still in those reels, you start scrolling through there and all of a sudden you see things you're like, whoa, that has nothing to do with how I want to live. And you just start flashing through it. There's some of you, listen, you just scroll through and you can spend hours and I can guarantee you based on what limited experience I've had that I'll guarantee you the devil, there's all kinds of things you just sort of just scroll through there. Can I tell you, a prudent man hides himself from the evil. Now, I know, here's some of you, you're like, that means you burn your cell phone and you go back to using the rotary dial phone and smoke signals. Would you stop, please? I get so bothered by these people that are just like, just whatever. But you know what? When I go somewhere, I'm going to go on purpose. If I see something and it's a friend of mine that, you know, and I know that it can be, then I don't have a problem going there. But I'm not just going, listen, even, this really dates me, but there used to be a time when we consumed more media on television than we did tablets and computers. Did you know we actually had to use televisions for like what you use tablets and computers for? And uh, you know what I had to learn whenever I was out with travel groups? Listen, whenever I got to a television, instead of just scrolling through all the channels, I'd just soon rather know where I'm going because I'll tell you so many times you have something come across your way. And when you're a preacher and you're alone by yourself in a hotel room, that's just not a good place to be. Protecting yourself. You know, whenever I'm out and about, you know, you'll you'll see me out with my wife. We're going to go out after this chapel service and we're going to get some things for a meal tonight for the ensemble and probably go eat lunch and I don't know, we'll have a good time. But you know what, you'll see my daughter in that car and you'll see my wife in that car, but you wouldn't see me with any student in a car. Because I'm going to foresee the evil. Listen, for you fellas, and by the way, I don't want to make it sound like girls are the problem. Can I, let me stop here for just a second. You're like, well, he says he wouldn't ride alone with a girl. Because, it's not that the girl's a problem in the sense of just a female. Because the truth is it's a guy problem, a girl problem. It's an everybody problem. But you know what? I'm one accusation away from being ruined. I didn't say one action. I said one accusation. And I, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I want to foresee the evil, not only of, you know, people like, well, you can't trust yourself. Well, I, Paul had a pretty good motto about that himself. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He wasn't too high up on himself either. But whether it's an action or it's an accusation, foresee the evil and say, ah, 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 nope, not going to go there. And you know what? You save yourself trouble. You have a lot more trouble in life that just comes naturally. Don't make any more for yourself. 
Man alive, I have enough temptation in my life as it is. I don't want to usher truckloads to me. Hey, I want, if I can hide myself from it, now I, I, I can't put on blinders. I understand that. But at the same time, I can live responsibly. And when it comes to my relationships with people, when it comes to my entertainment, when it comes to my behavior, I want to have foresight and look ahead. I want to be better at hiding myself from evil than hiding evil. So I want to ask you this morning, are you a prudent person? Are you a prude? You know, I don't want to be called a prude or a square. Well, maybe you don't want to be called a Christian because that stands out from this world. I'm not saying prude and Christian are synonymous, but I do know a lot of Christians are prudes. No sex before marriage? Ah, that, what's wrong with that language? Why do you dress that way? That's, that's the language that people use to prod those who are prude, so to speak. You know, if there was any one day of my life that I could relive and do over, <clears throat> I would have to say in the top five or top three, would be Memorial Day weekend of 2010. On Memorial Day weekend of 2010, uh, my son and I, we were going to go, I had a motorcycle that's uh, a Honda XR80 dirt bike. It's an Iron Duke. Thing runs like a tank. And just a few months prior, I'd had the carburetor worked on that. On, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little too technical here, but the carburetor is like what gives it the gas. Ladies, when you take that foot and you stomp that thing to the floor, okay, it's sort of like a carburetor up underneath that car that's saying, all right, go, zoom, that's the idea. I had the carburetor worked on that motorbike because it was giving me problems. Sometimes it would hang up, it would hang up sometimes it would go dead, it wouldn't ride very steadily and... So on that Saturday afternoon, I had my son Jared on the motorbike with me and we were sitting still. He was sitting in front of me. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what I'd like to do? I think I'm just going to take this thing and goose it. I said, man, if I just take that, just take that throttle, just, just right there, I want to see that thing just rear up, must take off. And so when I did that, the throttle hung a little bit, delayed, and then, boy, all of a sudden it hit me. Instead of having an instantaneous response, it was a little bit later, and it sort of threw me off balance. And, boy, that bike just took off right out from under both of us and went ahead a few feet, and it lay on the ground, and the throttle was hung wide open uh, on that ground. And so the back tire was off the ground, and it was just, it was just rolling. It was just spinning like crazy. And so after I... Dusted him off and I picked myself up off the ground. I was sort of running over to the bike to, dis to fix it, to turn it off. And as I did, I tripped. And when I tripped, I fell right down into the motorcycle. And that's why you see nine digits instead of ten. Now, for those of you who feel really poorly for me, a couple things to remember. Number one, when it happened, it really didn't hurt as soon as it happened. Thirty minutes later, it really did. 
The second thing is I've gotten a lot of fun out of it over the last 13 years. But I'm going to tell you something. If I could go back and change a day in my life, you know what I'd done? I would have said, I still remember what I was wearing that day. I was wearing a Washington, D.C. cap that had a bill all the way around it. (coughs) If I could go back and I could change that day, I would have never done that. I would have thought a little bit. I would have thought like this. You know, I just had that carburetor worked on. And I I don't know that I can trust it. I, I think I better be more careful about that. It may not respond the way that I want it to. Maybe I would have thought, you know, I've got a nine-year-old boy on this motorcycle. Is this really setting a good example for him? (laughs) I can't cry over spilt milk. What's been done has been done. But I can beg you to have a little foresight. Because I'll tell you what, I could have made a lot worse mistakes than this. And boy, I'd hate for somebody to leave for a break. And you don't have you still have all 10 fingers, but you don't have your purity. You have all ten fingers, but you've lost some innocence. Physically, you look as fit as a fiddle, but morally, you've scarred yourself. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself from it. It's okay to be a prude.